You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning to all of you and welcome here in person. And we're doing probably a first. We are live streaming, so hello everybody on Facebook. Don't You don't need to stream that here for you, but you can. You can watch it in chair, but they're, they're online, so we're doing that today. And uh, who knows for how long, or, or this is a different day for a lot, of, a lot of places, but I'm glad you're here. And if you're at home and made that decision, please know we're not sitting here like, boy, you know, wish we're, just, we're glad you're, you're with us and, and we have this sort of medium to, to do this uh, today. So what a difference a week makes from last week. We know that the coronavirus was around and yet here we are. Seems like things are heightened. Uh, maybe some real, some not real, who knows. But before we get to our passage today, I just want to just want to respond this morning just in a in a pastoral way just to deal with the coronavirus. I haven't sent a lot out and and I but I think even by God's grace and his his sovereign his providential timing is where we're at even in the book of Philippians for today. So I think there's something for us there as there is in all of God's word, but thinking of many of us here even in this room online whatever going to have just varying degrees of, of reaction to what's going on in the news uh, regarding this COVID-19 and coronavirus. Perhaps, perhaps you're here at church today because of fear, and you, and you thought, man, I'm going to go to church today. If I'm going once a year, I'm coming here today. We're glad you're here, but maybe that's your situation, and it's a place to go. Maybe others will just shrug it off. There's nothing. It's a big deal. What's a big deal? And perhaps others will stockpile everything they can. Uh, there's all sorts, right? All sorts of reactions. The truth is, every one of us is going to handle stressful situations differently. I, I was in a oh a class on teaching a company how to deal with accidents one time, and my I had a position as director of safety at, at a former company, and I said, when when there's an accident, people just get ready. People are going to deal with it differently. So there's there's a whole host of reactions that can take place. Um, and we can expect that. All sorts of different hoarding to staying home to saying, I don't care, all those things. So the, so the question is, what's the right one? What's the right reaction? I came across something last night. I just want to share it with you. It's from the book of Daniel. And in that book, he shares an account, and I'll just I'll read it to you. You can jot it down, Daniel 4. But he shares an account. There's this dream. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has this dream. Daniel is in exile from Israel, and he's brought in to interpret this dream. And, and, and in fact, the dream does come true. And what I want to read to you is part of the dream coming true. This is not part of the dream. This is Nebuchadnezzar living life. But it says this. It says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the king of Babylon. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. You picture him up there looking out over the city. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox and 
Seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle feathers, and his nails were like bird claws. And here's the verse. At the end of the days, now Nebuchadnezzar writes, first person, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar, he was brought to a place of humility And when did he acknowledge the Most High? When he lifted his eyes to heaven. My encouragement to you today, whether the situation to you is frightening or frustrating, uh, alarming to you or making you angry, that you too would lift your eyes to heaven that our reason would return. And guess what? God speaks from heaven. He's spoken in His Word. In just a couple places. Milt's already mentioned one. I'm glad... He did. One of them, though, Isaiah 41. As we look to heaven and our reason returns, says, Fear not, God says, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's Isaiah 41.10. Psalm 46.10, which was already read, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then I believe it's um, 2 Corinthians here. Yeah. uh, No, I'm sorry, it's Philippians 2, 1 through 3. I thought something was right. Later on in our book. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And then 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. And this is, speaks to both ends of the spectrum. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. How good it is to look to heaven and to hear heaven speak. And God has spoken to us in His Word. And it's there in His Word. We return today back to Philippians 1. You can start turning there. And how God might use this section, Philippians 1, in our lives to, to live today in light of what's going on for something greater than our own needs, our own safety, our own comfort. That our living in Christ would translate to living so that others might grow in or find their joy in, ultimately glory in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So if you want to turn to Philippians, perhaps you're already there. 
verses. Uh, I'm going to start again in 18 through 26, but we'll be focused kind of now on 21 and, and following to 26. As uh, maybe you're there already, but just as a recap of last week, do we have the picture up here? There it is. I am thankful that Caleb sent this picture to me, and I said, Caleb, can I use this this week? And he never responded, so I just said, okay. So Caleb didn't draw this picture. I, I'm sorry I had to widen it out so you could see it, but that's their horse, Romeo. And Caleb sent that yes, Sunday afternoon. said, Romeo says, this is living. We talked about that last Sunday. This is living. There's, there's Romeo living out. And that was a beautiful day last Sunday. Man, it was warm, and he's out there doing that. And we talked about the beginning of this section What's living? Is it grilling, rest, vacation, all these sorts of things that feel like they're living? And yet Paul says, no, this this is living, and it's Christ. He fills in the blank with Christ. So let's go back to our passage again and read God's Word. So he begins this section midway through verse 18. Paul says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope, that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's pray as we dive into God's Word. Father, I just ask again that you would bless these minutes we have together. We recognize, Lord, in a week how fast things can change, and so we don't want to take for granted that, we, uh, that anything even different than a virus will change this week. Perhaps even some of us will not be here next week. I've, we have no idea. So, Lord, help us to zero in. Help us to hear your word for this week and what you have spoken in your word. And as I seek to to expound on it, to bring out the meaning and what's going on, may you work even through those words that truth would be spoken and that you would guide your dear people to discern, discern what's being said and be knowledgeable and make application for their own hearts. And so we pray that Your Spirit would do the work of glorifying Jesus in our time here. We just praise You, Lord, that You offer help. Your mercies are new every morning. And we praise Your name. You're faithful. And we thank You. Guide our time. In Jesus' name, Amen. The New Oxford uh, Dictionary, American Dictionary, defines philosophy. I'm thinking of Paul's philosophy here of life. Defines this word philosophy as a theory or attitude held by a person or organization that acts as a guiding principle for behavior. If we think of Paul's philosophy, what's Paul's 
guiding principle for behavior. His, so I'm using the word philosophy. And last week, we saw that. We saw his philosophy of life, that living for Paul, or dying really, living equals Christ. And so we want to look again just at this, this hinge point of this section, kind of the leading up to it and then the following, and we're in the following this week, but look at verse 21. Again, Paul says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul here does not view living, I don't think, as a vacation or rest or just a get out of jail or peace for the sake of peace. Again, true living for Paul is Christ. And what if Paul dies? Well, that's just gain. That's an advantage. That's profit. So for Paul, death was even above and beyond living. And so after this hinge point, this, this verse 21 kind of leading up to it, kind of this declaration, if I'm going to live, then I live for Christ. And then now we kind of come over that, that hill, if it were, and we get into an internal wrestling match in Paul's mind between two great options. And that's what we're going to see in verses 22 through 24. This wrestling, this back and forth. Look first at verse 22. So he says, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. So verse 22 begins with a, a conditional phrase, this word if. And it introduces this option number one, if I am to live. So now he's contemplating this option. If I'm to live, what does this mean? It's really those words to live, same as verse 21, right, where he says for me to live. So if I am to live, so living for Paul is Christ. And so if Paul's to live in the flesh here, verse 22, physically living, then it's seen as that means fruitful labor for me. Fruitful labor. And we might ask, why? The the fruitful labor is precisely because Paul is living in a living that equals Christ. Look at me one place. Would you go to John 15? You might be thinking of this already, but John 15. You can turn there. John chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, and I want you to listen as Paul thinks about being in Christ to live is fruitful labor for me, and his heart is towards Christ. Then we want to listen here to Jesus' words as he, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room it's very soon before he's going to be crucified. In fact, this is the, the same night uh, as his betrayal. So let me read to this, this verses 1 through 11. Here's what Jesus says then. He says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now hear Jesus' words. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, can you what? Bear fruit, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Remember those lines as well. Full joy in Christ. So what is Jesus saying? Do you hear the continuity of Scripture? We do because it's God's Word. There's continuity. Jesus is saying to live is, is me. Abide in me. And that's a saying. That's, just, that's what Paul is saying. And so life in Christ bears fruit. It has to. It's abiding in Christ. And it's fruit that glorifies God. It proves we're disciples and it brings fullness of joy. So if Paul's heart is living for Christ, then he will. He can expect fruitful labor in his physical flesh because his labor in the Lord is not in vain. So Paul's fruit-bearing, as we come back to Philippians, it's directly tied to abiding in Christ as his life. And yet, that verse ends, which shall I choose? Which shall I choose? And so this internal wrestle, option two, looms large in verse 23. Look at verse 23. Then he says, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Now, does Paul really think he gets to choose here? Like, this is just, you know, Paul's really contemplating living or suicide here. No, I don't think so. I think his words show this inner heart desire, this being hard-pressed, as it says, between two things, two good desires, what he wants in his heart. Option number one, live here, fruitful labor. But verse 23, option number two, to depart, to be with Christ. That's just way better. Far better option is what he says. To Paul, to Paul here, it is far better or much more better to be with Christ. I think because Paul is so connected, he's so intimately connected to Jesus. This is the Jesus who he met on the road to Damascus. And his, his life has never been the same since that time. So that by the time he's in prison, we're presuming he's in Rome, but he longs here to be with his Lord and Savior. We see it in the words 2 Corinthians 5, 6-8. through Kind of similar wording. He says, so we're always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, he says there. So the one whom Paul is exalting in this letter that we're in, Philippians, this is the one Paul longs to see and to be with in that language, to be with Christ. This one whose name is above uh, every other name. 
that every knee, every, uh, every knee on the earth should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. 2 Timothy 1.1, Paul addresses his letter. He says, says of himself, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. The life that is in Christ Jesus. Again, we're not surprised. This is Paul. Where does Paul find life? In Christ. So is it any wonder that that's where he wants to be? I wonder for you and for me, would you agree with Paul here? That my desire is to depart and be with Christ. Do you long to be with Jesus? Not, not simply, and this is what's tempting, not simply as an escape from this world's troubles. Though there are many in our own flesh battles and we would prefer to be home with the Lord. But to actually think on what's it like to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus forever. I want you to contemplate that just for a bit. Kind of in, if, if we're to use Nebuchadnezzar's words, lift your eyes to heaven. Let that reason return. What does it look like to be with Christ? What is it like in the presence of Jesus? Fullness of joy. True, eternal peace, comfort in His presence, the Lord, true worship and praise, delight. That's where Paul's at. That's, man, I want to go there. But then Paul comes back. It's almost like uh, Fiddler on the Roof. You know, on the one hand, right? There's that part. But on the other hand, and so there's this back and forth here, and there's, this is kind of that, on the other hand, verse 24, then we get into, as he thinks about those whom Philippians, uh, what verse is it? 8 says, I yearn for you with all the affections of Jesus. And that brings Paul back now. Look at verse 24. Kind of brings him back <laughs> to his flesh, and he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. For the sake of the church, Paul sees remaining as necessary. And I think here we get to the heart of this, this backside of the, of the message, backside of living for Christ, as we see Paul living for the sake of others to live for Christ. So he's living for Christ, and now he's saying, I will stay for the sake of others to see Christ. Look at verse 20, 25. Now we're getting back now convinced of this. Or I think you could say believing this. He's convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul's convinced to remain this fruitful labor. And in this, in this case, the fruit, I think here, is their progress, their joy uh, in the faith, the faith of those at Philippi. If you're reading in the ESV, you've got actually two words uh, there that are quite similar where he says, I know that I will remain and continue with you. Those are the same. The remaining and the continuing with you come from the same, the same root word of to remain. And so Paul's going to remain. Yes, he's going to stay. But the second verb is kind of this, and I'm going to continue kind of alongside you all. I, I'm not just staying here, but I'm with you. Paul is not going to, yeah, I'll stay on the earth, but
but I am heading to the bunker, and I'll see you later. Here's a letter. Hope it works. I'm out of here. He's, I will remain and continue with you. Now, did he stay here for the rest of his life? We don't, we don't know all that, but there's that idea. I'm coming alongside of you, my beloved saints. He's going to stay. He's going to thrive in fruitful labor among the church, not apart from it. So what's the purpose? What's the purpose of Paul's remaining? The fruitful labor we've already seen. I think the progress, their progress and joy in the faith, in the faith. I think faith here referred to, I think you could, you could kind of interchange the words of a gospel. Their growth in the gospel, their growth in, uh, in their faith. Just even you can look down at verse 27 where uh, we'll get to, but it says there, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Okay, there's the gospel. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the, the faith of the gospel. Faith, gospel, they're tied together. Faith becomes a sort of a noun to indicate the gospel here. And so Paul, you see here, there's an expectation of fruit, their progress, their joy uh, in the faith. That they would progress in the faith. Which means the Philippians too, they would bear fruit as they abide in Christ. And their joy in the faith. Remember we read from John 15, that your joy may be full. That idea here, that their joy too would be made full in Christ as they abide in Him. Before moving on just to, to the last verse, just two quick observations here before we go on. One is gospel growth and joy comes by means of other people. Here, it's Paul. Paul is part here of God's work, his sanctifying work in the life of the Philippians for their progress and joy. Again, we've said it before, God uses people. He uses people. You and I are part of this. So gospel growth and joy comes by means of. It's not they're the sole cause of it, but by the means of other people comes growth, progress, joy in the faith that ought to spur us on to, as we come together and as we worship and as we talk to one another that we're building one another up. Oh, brother, I want to see you grow in the faith, joy in the faith and helping one another. The second one is that Goth, it's kind of uh, um, self-explanatory here, but gospel growth is to take place. There is to be gospel growth in the believer's life. This is not a, I made a decision and I, I just kind of stay on this, this line. There's growth. Paul says this, as we looked at weeks ago, Colossians 1.28, again, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's growth. Or Ephesians 4, 15 uh, through 16. Paul says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, there's the people part, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's from Ephesians 4, uh, 15 and 16. 
or Peter's desire here from 2 Peter 3.18. said this way, he says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. There needs to be in us. And God does this by His grace, but there's a call here today on our lives. There is to be a progressive, a growing maturity to our growth in the gospel, in our faith, in Christ, growing over time, even with all the ups and downs. Well, lastly, we get to these helpful words. Some of the, I hope you see them in Scripture as you read it in English. These words, so that, in verse 26. So that, a statement. What's, Paul, what's your ultimate purpose? What's your goal here? What's the so that? What does he ultimately want? And I think it's the same thing that he has. It's glory in Christ. Look at verse 26. So that, so convinced of this, I'm going to remain, continue your progress, join the faith. Verse 26, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Doesn't his goal really just echo? This is his life. This is what Paul wants. He wants the glory of Christ. Paul says for me to live as Christ, that's his goal. He has a part. He's an instrument of this ministry to the Philippians. Whether it's in prison or not, his goal for Paul, is this is not Paul coming for Paul's glory, but Christ's. And that through Paul, the Philippians would also glory in Christ. You could say here, same, same wording, that they would boast in Christ. Their pride would be not in themselves, but in Christ. That they would mature and progress, grow in the joy of their faith, bearing fruit, giving glory and praise to Jesus. So for Paul, this wrestling match, this is the goal. Okay, I will remain. Here's the goal. The goal of not departing to be with Christ, which was, again, far better, but to bring as many along with him in the joy of Christ. So the question for us today, in light of the news and whatever news, other news will happen this week, is that your goal? Why are each of you here? What are we here to do? Why are we here at this moment? Why were we born? Here we are in 2020, March 15th. We're here. I mean, why did God, and we, and we might ask this, and I'm not claiming to know all of God's ways, but you might say, well, why didn't God just take us home when we believed when I believed why didn't you just get me out of all this and depart and I think Paul would in one sense say I'm right there with you I would rather depart and be with Christ why not but we're here and so what what are we to do he's left us I think for the believer in Christ that however many breaths we take however many that is maybe it's just today that we're to bring him glory by exalting Christ in our lives and sharing that with others. Esther became a queen for such a time as this. Daniel was taken captive to Babylon, and yet God's glory was spoken of. You, I read from Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king. Joseph got thrown into a well. Remember, he was sold then into slavery, and yet God saved his people through this. And so the question is, how might God want to use each of you and I 
in our world, in our place at this particular time. During maybe a, what we could say is a pretty unstable time. Perhaps, I'm just going to give credit, this was my wife's idea. Perhaps it's that person behind you in the checkout lane hoarding the toilet paper. To, to try to say, Lord, help me look beyond the pile of toilet paper and maybe wanting some of it or wherever you're at, how can I encourage this person? I need to know Christ. If, okay? Perhaps your neighbors, your own neighbors in your neighborhood where I don't live and none of us live, but you live right there, your neighbors, those ones, maybe they need reassuring. Maybe they need to know some of these verses. We as a body are to remain, to encourage one another within the body. Like all of us, I think maybe we fear a weakness of being fearful. We're just weak. We're treasures and jars of clay. And yet that God's glory would be seen in our weakness. So we'd be coming back, lifting, maybe daily, lifting our eyes to heaven and that our reason would return to comfort one another, to speak words of hope from God's Word into chaos. We would, if you're in Christ, we would rather be away from the body. Lord, take me home. But while we're here, let's remain alongside one another to bear fruit for Christ, abiding in Him ourselves. Perhaps, let me give a word of encouragement for me and you to abide in His Word more than we would abide in the news on Facebook or the COVID-19 updates to abide, make sure. This is just a call to my own heart. Does God's Word have enough weight in my life is what I'm hearing to call to our hearts and then share that fruit, that reasonableness that returns because we've seen God in His Word. Share that fruit of peace and joy. Share it with those that are hungry for something way more stable than what toilet paper can offer them. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, guide us as a church in these days ahead. Guide all of our decisions. Guide us with wisdom. We would ask for your grace in this. And we only ask through the name of Jesus, Lord. We're not deserving of you even hearing us, thinking in Sunday school that you are a God of judgment. We all are dead in transgressions, and yet you came, Jesus, to take on that curse on the cross that we might look to you and be saved and reconciled. And to, as Paul would say, and we can in the same way say, we can look forward to being with you forever, for you already by your Spirit dwell with us. Lord, I pray we would not hold that hope in a hidden jar. Lord, break open the jar that we would shine your light to a world that needs this living hope of Jesus. So guide us. And Lord, when those moments come, when we're in the checkout lane or we're talking with a neighbor, I just pray, Lord, that you would put words of Scripture on our heart. We'd be pre- we would be prepared to give an answer and to give glory to you and bear fruit. We pray this in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.